Welcome to A Teaspoon of Healing, where we explore the pathways to wellness and vibrant living. Listen to personal stories of healing and interviews with experts. It's time to open a doorway to healing in your life through positive changes. Here is your host, Dawn Damari. Hi, I'm Dawn Damari, and you're listening to A Teaspoon of Healing. This is Episode 8 of the podcast, and in today's episode, I'm going to be answering some listener questions, and I'm also going to be chatting with someone whose child was diagnosed with cancer, a form called non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and she chose to use an alternative treatment, CBD oil, to help her child go through chemotherapy to help with nausea and all of the other nasty side effects. We're going to hear about that and also learn about childhood cancers and how to help your child if you have to go through a diagnosis like this. Visit my website at teaspoonofhealing.com to read the blog, download transcripts of previous shows, listen to other episodes, or read show notes. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute medical advice. Please consult a physician or other health professional before undertaking changes in lifestyle or wellness habits. The author claims no responsibility to any person or entity for any liability, loss, or damage caused or alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of the use, application, or interpretation of the information presented herein. And before we get into our interview, let's hear from one of our sponsors, Golf Tours. Hi, this is Goff, owner of Goff Tours, specializing in stand-up paddleboarding or surfing lessons. I even do snorkeling. You can reach me here. Orange County has what you're looking for. You can contact me via email at gofftours at gmail.com or mobile number is 949-338-5937, gofftours.com. Now I'm going to answer a listener question. Lisa Thompson emailed me from San Diego, California. She said, Dawn, I really enjoy listening to your podcast. I'm a new mom and I want to lose the baby weight. What exercise programs do you suggest? Thank you, Lisa, for emailing me. I am not a physician, so I am not able to give medical advice. And I do urge you to see a doctor if you're starting a new exercise program. But here's what worked for me. Now, if you're in the postpartum period, There's a time where you shouldn't exercise. So again, check with your doctor. And if you're cleared to exercise, this is what you can do. I joined a gym at first that had childcare, which was convenient, but I didn't enjoy it. I had a lot of baby weight. I had my kids back to back and I enjoyed eating during pregnancy. So you can imagine that I had quite a bit of baby weight to lose. I felt really self-conscious at the gym. So what I did was I decided to just start walking. At the time, I lived in a community where our street was on a hill, and I just walked up the hill. And every night, I would, when the kids were in bed, I would put my headphones on and just go walking. And I eventually increased it to a light jog, and I also found some running trails nearby. And then bit by bit, as I noticed the baby weight going down, I started jogging. And then I started running and I've been running ever since I live back in the beach community where I had previously lived and we have the beach, we have running trails, we have a high school track near where I live. So I've kept it up. And that for me has really been my most favorite type of exercise running outside. I do also do strength training and yoga and Pilates now, but when I had the little ones, 
that was the best one for me because I put on the music. I was out in nature with my own thoughts. And you can also use a jogging stroller. That didn't really work as well for me, but for a lot of moms, that's what they do. And just watching diet, which was always the hardest thing for me. So I hope that helped you. And again, please consult your physician when you're starting a new exercise program, especially if you've just had a baby, because I know there's some time where you can't exercise. So again, please check with your OBGYN. And thank you, Lisa, for your question. Hi, I'm Don Damari, and you're listening to A Teaspoon of Healing. Today, I have a guest with us. She's going to talk about an experience that she went through with her child who was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And she decided to use an alternative treatment to help with nausea abatement for her child during chemotherapy. And that alternative therapy was CBD oil. So we're going to talk about what that is and how it helped her child. So first of all, I'm going to introduce my guest. Hello. Hi. Hi. How are you? Doing well, thanks. My guest is going to remain anonymous, so we're not going to reveal her name or where she lives And we're also just going to, we're not going to reveal her child's gender. Thank you. So she's here with us today. And thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Your child was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Mm -hmm. And for people listening who don't know what that is, can you describe what is non-Hodgkin's lymphoma? Sure. Non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, there are a few different variations, but generally it's lymph nodes that have cancer cells growing in them and they become large. And our lymph nodes, I mean, we have so many throughout our system. You know, they're in our neck, they're in our groin area, our stomach, our arms, our armpits, they're all over and they help us. They move fluid throughout our body and help us detox, you know, moving germs and things like that through them. So if they get enlarged and things get stuck, it can present such a huge problem. Not only could it be painful, but in the case of my child, it was blocking a major vein and causing a lot of pain. So how did you find out that your child had this condition, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma? Well, I saw my child had been kicked. You know, we saw a little swelling and it wasn't too painful or anything. So we thought that a bait that would go away. I saw a couple other lymph nodes in my child's groin area. And I thought, you know, my father had passed from the same thing. And I just thought there's, there's absolutely no way that this is happening to my child. No way. You know, they're so young. How can that be happening? So we did like a, you know, kind of waited and, and just checked on it. And they, the lymph nodes were pretty small, but within about a month of being kicked, you know, in the leg and groin area, my child was suddenly in pain. We went to the doctor and the, the doctor uh-huh. thought, you know, something slightly serious. We ended up going to the hospital ER, thanks to our doctor, but they just saw the same wound that we did, the same area that had been kicked. And they just thought that, you know, there was drainage going on and that everything would be okay. So they gave us some painkillers and, you know, Motrin and things like that and told us to go home. Not even a week later, I had just a bad feeling. And when I woke up in the morning, my child was in an immense amount of pain, and I saw their back was very swollen. Suddenly, just overnight, a lot of swelling. So I asked my husband to take my child to the ER again, and we ended up in oncology that night and got the diagnosis. Wow. So it happened wow. very, very suddenly. That is yeah. very sudden. What was your experience like in the once you well, got into oncology? Everything happened so rapidly. It's such a shock. Suddenly, you're in a, a hospital room and you're separated from other children, and it's you know, in the middle of the night, this was a middle of the night. 
me having to leave for the hospital to join my my child and my husband. So everyone was so wonderful and so kind, but it's a very, very stressful environment. And my child was in so much pain. So there was a lot of painkillers going on, morphine. And we met with the oncology team the next day and they gave us what they were pretty sure was the diagnosis. So we had a family meeting about it and, you know, needed to move forward very rapidly. So we started steroids, which I have seen personally, even before this, how fast they can shrink a lymph node into smaller capacity Mm -hmm. and much easier to deal with. So we immediately started that and all the things they do, starting fluids for my child and sodium bicarb and things like that, being all hooked up to the machines and just being on on edge, basically. Starting treatment right away, you know, uh, surgery to remove a very large lymph node just to make sure that that's actually what it was and um, the possibility of infection. It was a lot. It was a lot to take on. Very stressful. I can't even imagine. What was it like being thrust into this, the medical system so suddenly? How did that affect your, just your well-being? Does, is it, because you know, I can imagine the stress. I had a lot of family. The most important thing besides, you know, my child in the hospital was taking care of the others because they're young. So the stress of being suddenly separated from my other kids, that just, that took such a toll. But thankfully people stepped in and that, you know, I could concentrate on, on my child in the hospital. So it was very different. We we don't run to the doctor for everything. And, you know, we have a lot of medical people in our family. So it's just a very different way of being than I'm used to. Plus, the hospital is a very, very stressful environment and, and it's full. The oncology ward was absolutely full, every room. We even had to share a room several times because the number of children and it's it's just so stressful. And my, really? my child was crying so much and the pain medication didn't always work. And there was a lot of nausea and you know, vomiting early on until the nurses got the medication down to what really ended up working for my child. So they're in, and also, you know, when you're in the hospital, they need to take your blood. They need to check that everything's going well and to see if they're ready to take the chemotherapy. Blood draws happen at like four or five in the morning. So this, we weren't getting much sleep at all. And it was just a, a days and waking up for that. And my child was in so much pain, they could barely walk or stand. So it was just, it was very, very stressful. And the, you know, the, the bright lights and the noise and all that. And and one thing is too, that when a family is, is in the medical model, they're in the hospital, they send so many people in to see you. Child life specialists to help explain to your child what's going on and what's about to happen. They're going to have surgery or in my kid's case, they received a port calf in their chest. So that, that was another surgery we had to do. Talking about anesthesia, meeting all the anesthesiologists, signing so many papers, team of doctors. If it's a teaching hospital, then you're going to get young kids basically doing their residency. You're going to have many nurses coming in and you know a therapist, things like that. So it's having to basically be on call for your child and all these other people that need information from you and need to see that you're doing okay, you know. Absolutely. You know, that definitely sounds stressful. And it's true when you have a child mm-hmm. in the system, you also have all of the associated therapists and, and yes. social workers and people that just are mm-hmm. there for helping you. Yes. But it's very stressful. I can imagine just having yes, exactly. on yes. top of everything else you have to deal with and for sometimes it at four in the morning. It's so. not all horrible. In fact, wow. nurses save the day and they are just, I can't tell you how many wonderful experiences we had with them. They were so loving and caring and became part of our, you know, our family in a way. Wow. 
Thank you. We're going to take a really quick break and we'll be right back with more on A Teaspoon of Healing. I'm Don Damari, and you're listening to A Teaspoon of Healing. Well, we're back with our guest, and we're going to talk a little bit more, of course, of chemotherapy. And as we all know, it's very toxic to the body. What was your reaction to it, to that prescription for chemotherapy, and what happened next? You know, chemotherapy can save your life, and it can kill you. I've seen it many times. Almost take a person's life, but but help them. So... I was just very, very worried about the toxic effects that it would have on my child and how I could mitigate that. And when you are thrust into this this world, there is such a complete loss of control. So getting some sort of control felt really important to me. And so I was, you know, turning to, you know, food as medicine and things like that. So what I've seen happen is the body wasting away, losing so much weight, red blood cells diminishing to the point where Blood transfusions are needed, and my child ended up having three transfusions. And that comes with its own set of risks I wasn't even aware of until the nurses told me about it. So what I saw in my child, which was concerning, was a drop of all, you know, the red blood cells and just exhaustion and a need for a transfusion. Otherwise, my child was going to fall over, sleeping a lot, nausea, vomiting, hair loss, Hair and hair loss includes your eyebrows and eyelashes too, you know, not just your, your hair. So we saw all of those things happen and I was, I was waiting for those things, but generally just lack of appetite and food not tasting good, not, not wanting to eat food, possible depression, things like that. Yeah. It's really hard to, yeah. to handle as a parent, seeing your child go through that. Can't imagine. You're very brave. And for the nausea, what medications did they recommend? Well, there were several drips going at once for my child going into their port So thankfully, they didn't have to be poked and prodded too much. But there would be things like Zofran. And there were pretty sure Zofran was the one that worked the best. But there were a couple alternatives. And so when we would go in and my child would get hooked up, they would begin fluids and sodium bicarb flushing the system. Mm-hmm. One of those, possibly Zofran, one of those medications. And that would be on it. Every eight hours, my child would receive that. So that was just, you know, one way that they could control the nausea in the hospital so that there wouldn't be vomiting or, you know, be much easier for my child to receive the chemotherapy because it does make you very, very sick to your stomach. How did you find out about using CBD oil to help with the nausea that your child was experiencing due to chemotherapy? It's an alternative treatment, but it's becoming more popular. So how did you find out about using this? Well, I had a friend who had heard about other people, children going through things like this that were using CBD oil. And she emailed me and a, a link, a couple links. And so I checked it out and I found this one company that I felt like I trusted all of their information and their process seemed really clean and pristine. And so we decided we really didn't have anything to lose by trying it. It couldn't hurt anything. And I was really curious to see if this could be a great complement to what was going on and possibly replace any medic, you know, the medication, the Zofran for my child when we got home. Because we had time in between treatments once we were out of the real danger zone. 
that we were on our own. And that was scary too, leaving this, you know, the safety of the hospital and the nurses that could help us at any moment. We were on our own at home. You get medication for constipation and you get medication for nausea and, you know, pain medication and all sorts of things. So we were given a lot of things to take home. And I just knew I would, I really wanted to get that down to the smallest number of necessary medications as possible for, for my child's health and my sanity, honestly. <laughs> yes, definitely. Many of those medications have a lot of side effects as well. I mean, they're very useful, but they, they do have side effects, correct? Yes. And no one should take, you know, an anti-constipation for too long, honestly, or long-term. And my goal was to keep things as least toxic as possible. That's definitely a great goal. So the CBD oil, we're going to talk about, I guess, what it is for people who don't know. It's derived from the hemp plant. CBD is non-psychoactive. There's no euphoria. You don't, you actually don't get high from it. Mm-hmm. Apparently it helps a lot with yes. nausea abatement yes. and people on chemotherapy can take this and they won't have to feel stoned, which is definitely a great thing if you, if you have a child. And we did try, I know there are tinctures and I did try like a dried pill form and that seemed fine. I, I'd never felt any effects or anything, but I had tried a little bit of the oil just like he did. So it did help just give me a nice calm feeling. And, you know, I am generally a calm person, but this did put me over the edge. So it really did help. Just a very small drop, like the top of not even the size of a pencil eraser, but maybe a, a drop a little bigger than the tip of a pencil or pen. That's really all that it took for me to feel just a little bit more calm and at ease. So with the CBD oil, how did it affect your child during chemotherapy as far as your child's appetite, nausea abatement, or anything else? Well, when we would come home, that's when I would give it to to my child. And we would come home from a week of treatment. We started about not quite halfway through treatment. There were six treatments in total and various hospital visits in between for infections and things that happen, things that happen from chemotherapy or taking antibiotics when you're in the hospital. There's so many infections you can get just from being in the hospital and having an open wound or having an infection and taking antibiotics, which could lead to stomach infections. And we went through a lot of things like that, stomach infections. C. diff is is one of them. And that's something that children can get and can just ravage the stomach. And that's actually a very scary one to get. So C. diff, we received that and my child got that. So when we would get home, it was important to me that I could help build my child back up in order to receive the next treatment. We would start, well, one drop in the morning and maybe one drop in the evening. And I would see within 20 to 30 minutes, my child would feel so much better. And they would send us home with all the Sofran and things like that. And I, for a while there, I used it for the very first day just as a crutch so that my child could sleep and feel okay. And then I would stop and start using the CBD oil and it made an almost immediate difference for my child. The nausea went away, maybe one incident of vomiting, but my child did not mind the CBD. It was just one small drop under the tongue and it really helped, I could see, make my child just feel a little bit better because it was such an overwhelming situation that my child dealt with so well, but still just the general not feeling so great and also undergoing such a rapid change in the body and being home from school and things like that, things were just so off. So I could see that it would ease my child's mind and just calm them down. Another thing that happened was that my child never stopped eating, which was amazing because 
that happens so much, you know, and it's so important for anyone going through chemotherapy to keep their body strong so it can take the treatment and so that possibly don't get any of those infections or have to have a blood transfusion. Also to keep the strength and the spirit up. It's so important, I think. So my child never had a mouth sore. My child never had any sort of food aversion, just a craving for salty food because of the steroids. So sometimes my child was even open to trying new things, which I swear is unheard of. And it just, it was amazing to me because my child started out, you know, kind of hunched over and unable to walk there at the very beginning and grew almost six inches and gained about 20 pounds. That was very much needed. It had not really dawned on me that my child had lost weight right before we went into the hospital, but that there it was, that was true. So the weight gain was really, really good. And it, I really think it gave them extra strength to get through the whole ordeal. The doctors did comment things like, wow, you're eating a carrot. You know, you're the first kid I've seen eating a carrot or mm -hmm. just we received compliments on the healthy food that my child actually would eat. And this is not to say that anyone who is not feeding their child healthy food during this, that there's something wrong with them, but or that it's their fault by any means, no judgment. I'm just relaying our experience and how wonderful it was to feel like what I was choosing to do and what my child was very willing to do was helping. That's wonderful. For parents of children who are given a similar diagnosis and are told that their child has to receive chemotherapy, where can they find out more information about using CBD oil? For their kids, are there any organizations that deal with children or just with, where can other parents going through this ordeal, where can they find out information about something that will help their child? Reaching out. One good thing about Facebook and social media is that if you start a GoFundMe or even if you just announce what's happening, people will come out of the woodwork to connect you with other people or help you out or offer assistance. And that happened to us. We were blown away by the amount of support people were happy to give. People want to be helpful. And that was so apparent. I ended up coming across a few groups. I was connected with groups and of parents going through something similar. So I urge anyone who's going through this to reach out to your network of people and see who they can connect you with. See what information they have that they maybe just don't share online or with you, you know, face to face. Another thing too, there is one organization that I know of called Canna Kids, C-A-N-N-A-K-I-D-S, and they do help connect people with CBD, things that will be helpful for their, it's for their children. I think that talking about your experience as a parent and what you witnessed in your child and the health benefits that you've noticed, I think is a really big thing that someone can do. And this is as a person who grew up in, and actually having a very bad view of things like that to then turn to CBD was kind of a big change. And so I just think talking, the more we talk about it, the more we talk about things that are helping our children or helping ourselves, there are really so many alternative things out there. Plus just vitamins, you know, those can be vitamin C, things like that. We really can turn to, to complement any treatment, especially when we're home from the hospital, things like that, reaching out to your social network. Yes. And finding a support group is probably so important, especially when you're, when you're new to this and you're going through it for the first time. It's probably very easy to feel alone, even though the, you see that every bed is taken, it can probably feel isolating without a support group. And having that support can just make it so much easier. So that's a great suggestion. Just reaching out, reach out to your social networks, reach out to others. Don't be afraid to ask questions and reach out for support because you'll be surprised at how much support there really is out there. 
I just, I know that parents want to do anything they can to help their children. And there are organizations that will lower the cost or give it to you for free, things like that. And that's really where you want to connect and meet other like-minded parents so you can work together, you know, find a support group. We're out there, you know, we exist. Now, as far as childhood cancer in general, supposedly it's, it's on the rise there's a few articles, actually a couple that you sent me from acco.org about childhood cancer. There are some things that we can do if we have children to mitigate them getting cancer. Are there things that maybe you found through your research that parents can do preventatively? I think so. I think there are things we can all do preventatively. And one thing that I really appreciate the doctor said was, this is not your fault. It's not your fault. There's nothing you could have done. And I believe that because my child was so extremely healthy. At the same time, I believe that there are, we can always stack the deck in our favor. Of course, we can reduce the amount of pesticides that we eat on our food or that we're exposed to with things like lawn care. These pesticides are used such a a huge amount of number. There are websites you can go to and you can find out how many pounds of pesticides are used in your city per year. And things like that I find are really important. Stacking the deck reducing the amount of pesticide exposure for yourself and for your family, and even your pet. Loading up on healthy foods. I really found bone broth to be a very nourishing food during that time. And, you know, fruits and vegetables, things like that, vitamin C. Those are things that, that we can do that aren't really out of reach. Anything anti-inflammatory, you know, turmeric, if your child will take it or if you will take it, turmeric and black pepper together or a supplement like that, that goes a long way toward inflammation. And that's how all these degenerative diseases start really is through inflammation. And we all have it. We're all going to have it. That's just aging, but it can be really brutal or fatal for some people. Children are so, they're so much smaller than adults. So what they're exposed to is going to affect them at a greater rate than it will affect us. It'll take longer if we're an adult and we start having inflammation or we're exposed to pesticides, we can handle it a lot differently than kids can. Do you have any other resources that you know of that you can provide for parents that have new diagnosis with cancer? I know there was the acco.org. I think that's more informative stuff, but are there other organizations that you might want that you found helpful? There was a really neat organization called the Max Love Foundation, I believe it's what it's called. And I know that they help people all over the U.S. I'm not sure about all over the world, but they're definitely a great resource to check out. Max, M-A-X, love, L-O-V-E. Thank you. And thank you so much for joining me today on A Teaspoon of Healing. And it was a pleasure talking to you and to hear your story. And it's very inspirational. And I hope it's inspired a lot of listeners out there. Good. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of A Teaspoon of Healing. If you have any questions for me, feel free to email me on my website, teaspoonofhealing.com. Just click on contact and there's a contact form and it will just email me. You can also visit my Facebook page, facebook.com slash teaspoonofhealing or my Instagram, which is at teaspoonofhealing. And you can message me there and I will respond. Thank you for listening to A Teaspoon of Healing with Dawn Damari, your home for wellness and vibrant living. For more resources on wellness and vibrant living, visit us online at teaspoonofhealing.com.
This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute medical advice. Please consult a physician or other health professional before undertaking changes in lifestyle or wellness habits. The author claims no responsibility to any person or entity for any liability, loss, or damage caused or alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of use, application, or interpretation of the information presented herein.